Well, we are continuing our series in the letters to the seven churches of Revelation. And this morning, Jesus asked us to consider an, an object uh, that is everywhere in our lives, an object that we don't normally think of as really anything. That object is a door, a door. Doors are simple. They're ubiquitous. They're everywhere, right? You, you walk, probably walked through several doors just since you arrived in this building this morning and haven't thought a thing about it. However, doors, as a metaphor, capture something very, very powerful. Doors capture something at the center of being a human being and our experience in this life. See, doors capture access. They capture access to the life that we yearn for, hopes and ambitions and aspirations. Doors capture whether those things are shut off to you or open to you. Just think about a few doors that we recognize. The first is 10 Downing Street. 10 Downing Street's the home of the British Prime Minister, if you didn't know that. And, and so if you were European, you would immediately recognize this door because behind, imagine what if you could go behind that door, what it would represent. The power, the, the, the behind the scenes, the ability to make change and enact it. Think about what this other door represents. This is the door to the Supreme Court, to the inner chambers. This, this represents the influence that many of us desire. If we could be in that room to be a part of those discussions, think of how it could change the world and the lives of those around you. Then we have another one, a, a bank vault. I've thought many times when I'm driving around, if I could just walk into Wells Fargo, now I don't know, maybe they don't have real money in them, that's what they tell us these days. However, if I could just walk into the vault and just take whatever I wanted, right, and walk out, and every day I'd start my day that way and walk out with a bag of cash, my life would change drastically, right? And have you ever thought about if I could just walk behind that door and had access, the riches, the wealth, what I could buy with that? We have another one, the Lord of the Rings, right? The Shire. When I see that, I immediately think of that door beckons to just kind of escape, like, like to get away, to go someplace that's just where all of the problems of the world seem to kind of fade away, right? Experiences, vacations, things like that. We have this one. <laughs> For many of us, those doors... On the other side, they promise belonging, right? Being part of the in-group, being part of that other social class, belonging. And then I think lastly, no, not lastly, second to last, Jurassic Park. When I look at these, I think of like adventure, right? Adventure awaits. Perhaps it's, it's scientific breakthrough, creative breakthrough, pining for those doors to open up. And lastly, we have the well-known, the wardrobe, the door of the wardrobe of the Chronicle of Narnia, where it's this portal, 
That way, if that door is open to you, it's perhaps spiritual breakthrough, a breakthrough to understand and experience the mysteries of the universe, this, this kind of realm that's almost beyond what it seems like we can grasp, but we know it's there and we pine for it every day. See, these doors, we recognize them. Probably most of these doors you recognize because these doors elicit something in us because they mean something more than just the sum of the wood fibers or metal fiber. It's not fibers. I don't, I'm not an engineer. But whatever the sum of their parts, they mean more because they are a metaphor for the things that we long for. They're a metaphor for access. And Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this. So Jesus writes to this church, and he tells them of a a door, a, a door that he has opened, a door that never closes. And he says this door is actually on the other side of it. It is granting you access to actually all of the things that you most deeply long for, you clamor for, the things that we spend our decades of our lives trying to open and get, and, and get access to. He says this door. I have opened to you, and it gives you access to everything ultimately your soul is longing for. So what we're going to look at, because Jesus says there's this door that is always open, but strangely enough, we often, in our daily life, we overlook this door. We could say we overlook it at times. Sometimes we just flat out ignore it. Sometimes it's because perhaps we're so busy with the other metaphorical doors that we're trying to open in our lives. We'll look at that. So what is this door, and what does it promise on the other side? That is what this letter tells us. The question, as we get into it, is going to be this. It's open. Will you walk through it? The door is open, but it remains for us to walk through it. First, we'll look at the open door. What is it? Second, we'll look at the other doors of life quickly. And then third, we're going to look at the motivation to walk through the open door. We're going to look at what's on the other side as motivation to walk through the door. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this picture of this open door, Lord, of this picture of your calling on each and every one of us. Lord, we come into this place with all of us having all kinds of metaphorical doors in our lives that we are probably imploring you would open. We're not imploring directly to you, praying directly to you. Lord, we're probably just crying out to the heavens. We're probably emotionally giving ourselves. And through our actions, we are pleading, even if we would just say, with the universe, just to grant me access, whether it's just that to power, to prestige, to relevance, to influence, to just getting away from it all. If it's just the door would open to some kind of creative breakthrough, career breakthrough, financial breakthrough. Lord, we have all these doors, and Lord, help us in the midst of these pursuits. And as we think about how to frame those and to approach them, Lord, would you just direct our attention to this open door so that, Lord, in the midst of this life that has so many doors before us, we wouldn't miss the one that is most valuable that you have opened to us. Spirit, would you guide each of us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the open door, we'll look at verse 7. Again, we're in Revelation 
3, starting in verse 7, and it says this. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, by the way. This is Philadelphia in the ancient world and in, in Asia Minor, which is kind of between like modern-day Istanbul all the way over to kind of Palestine or the Middle East. It's that large landmass. It's called Asia Minor in the ancient world. So he's writing a letter to them. He says, the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. So what is Jesus saying here to the churches? What's he saying? Again, we get all this imagery when Jesus is giving this vision of his reign as we've seen throughout this series, and there's kind of a mashup of different allusions that Jesus is pulling from here. The first one is actually from chapter 1 of Revelation, when Jesus appears to John, and in, in this, this vision that John has of the risen Jesus, it says him, I died. This is Jesus. It says, I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have what? I have the keys, the keys of death and Hades, the keys of destiny, the, te- the, the keys of joy forevermore, the keys of eternal punishment and, and judgment. I hold those keys. Those are, I want those keys, right? He holds those keys, he says. A key opens what? a door. Jesus is saying, I am the true one. I am the holy one. I am the one who holds the most important keys that unlock the most important door in existence. And and he uses then this exact quote here in this verse from Isaiah, Isaiah 22, 22. He says, and I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. So Isaiah is talking about foreshadowing a prophecy of the coming Messiah. He says, I will give place on his shoulder, on his kind of his strength, I will place the key of the house of David, he, a king of Israel, the ultimate king. David by this point is long gone, but he's saying, I will place in the house of David the one who will be the Messiah, the one who will be the true and better, the holy and true king, the final one. I will place on his shoulder the key. He shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. On the house of David here, he's referring to the temple, and he's saying the temple is where heaven meets earth, and there will be a king who will come to bring a kingdom, a new reality where you will have access. Just in the same way you could walk into the Holy of Holies of the temple of the house of David and be in the presence of God, he says he will unlock that so you can walk in. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I am the true and the holy one. I bring the very presence of God. I bring, you could say, heaven to earth. My reign when I come will bring all the justice and all the joy and all the peace your heart could handle. I will bring it into your life. I will grant you access. I have the keys in in my coming, in my reign. I will open that door. Jesus is essentially saying that every single thing that we long for, you could say in the doors of this life, we're going to come back to this, but the things that promise us that joy and that security, peace, just getting away from trouble, insight, awe. He says all those things are just kind of like 
small little doors that actually point to this big door. That you're meant for me. I, Jesus says, and this is why it's important, he says, I have opened that door. Now, it's not just so that he's opened that door. He says that he's opening that door, but he's opening that door, and then he's placing us in a place where he's opened that as his church. So look at verse 8, continuing. He says, I know your works. Behold, so now he's writing to the Christians in Philadelphia. Behold, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. So he said, I've opened up this, this main door, but then I've opened a door before you in Philadelphia so that you might, you might go through this door. What is this door? What's interesting about the church in Philadelphia, we know historically, because this is a circular letter. If you look at a map of Asia Minor, when it first goes to Ephesus, there's kind of, I should have put this map up, but you could Wikipedia if you want to crowdsource your truth, then go ahead. But you get, on a map, you have, it, it goes first from Patmos, this island that John's on, to Ephesus, and then it goes around in order. You can just kind of track where they would have, these letters would have kind of gone around in the book of Revelation, and, and these letters would have been read to each of these churches, and eventually you get to the last two of Philadelphia and Laodicea, and they're in the farthest to the east into the hinterlands of Asia Minor, the unreached, unlocked areas. And, and so, Philadelphia was known in the ancient world very much how we thought of in the 19th century of St. Louis. We have an arch in St. Louis called, because what? It was called the gateway to the west. So what we would do is we thought of St. Louis was this place where it was the doorway to the west. It was the place where we imported American culture to these untapped areas of the, of the world. And Jesus is saying, Philadelphia, you think of yourself like the gateway or the doorway to these untapped areas, and specifically in their context, to bring Greco-Roman culture to these areas. But here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, yes, you are that, but do you know that you have an even higher calling, which is, I am calling you, I've opened a door for you, church, and you, church, all for all time, to bring my kingdom, to bring the reality of what I've opened up to take it through that open door and to take it to those who are not experiencing it, to speak it, to show and tell, to live it, to serve it. In other words, Jesus is saying, in every one of your lives, I have opened the door to my kingdom and I am opening doors in your life all around you that you can walk through and bring my kingdom into other people's lives. So what does that look like? What do those doors look like? It looks like opportunities to step into the lives of others. What Jesus is saying is that we have a whole world that's longing for that joy and that peace and that prosperity and all these things. And he's saying, and I, once you know it and you've walked through the door of me, once you know me, I want you then to experience taking that and seeing others experience it for the first time. So what do those open doors look like? What those open doors look like are coworkers when they're lonely or coworkers when they're breaking down, when they're anxious. That, that's, we don't see that just as a mere inconvenience, but that we would say, this perhaps is an open door that God is opening up in my life. It could be a coworker, it could be a family member, it could be a teammate, it could be, it could be a friend, it could be, but God is opening doors all around us. It could look like that coworker, it could look like a classmate who's, you know, they're anxious about the upcoming tests. And you say that's an open door, perhaps 
hey, do you want to grab coffee? We could study together. And it's just an open door into someone's life. Again, do we see these as mere happenstances, inconveniences? As I read these, think about how we go throughout our daily life because we opt we often, I'm an overscheduler, okay? I'm gonna put it this way. I like to have everything down to the minute. And it drives some people in my life nuts. I think one of them would be Jesus. Because Jesus is like, hey, can I interrupt your schedule for a minute? When your neighbor comes over and says she's getting surgery for her cancer, are you willing to show up and see an open door there to knock on the door a few, like a day after and say, hey, can I, can we bring you a meal? Can I help? Can I do your lawn when I'm doing my lawn? Can I, can I take an hour of my time because perhaps God is opening a door. Because what I'm going to come back to is often, honestly, if, if, if I'm, so my number one strength finders is competitiveness, which I normally don't share because people are like, how's that fit with being a pastor? Still figuring it out, okay? But, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. So I like to optimize every moment of my life. I do. And one of the things that often happens is that means I'm trying to optimize opening all the doors I could possibly open in my life. And Jesus is saying, while you're trying to open those doors, often you're missing the most beautiful doors that I am opening up all around you that you can walk into and you don't have to bang your head against. So the neighbor who's sick, you know, you have a network of people that you're meeting when you're going to the gym, when you're at some kind of like a PTA meeting or whatnot. Are there opportunities to step into their life? And people are talking about things and wondering about the big questions of life. And I don't know, pulling together and saying, well, do you guys want to like go through a book together or something? Or do you just want to have coffee regularly and talk about life? Inviting over for meals. Sports, this is the time of year, right? Lots of sports. Do we see sports as merely our gateway to merely get away? Or are sports also actually an opportunity and doors open in our culture? This is from last, some of you may have seen this, this graphic about the, I think it's the 100 most watched U.S. TV broadcast in 2022. I know a lot of you in the back can't see it. So what you have there is pretty much all little icons of footballs. Because out of the top 100 most viewed broadcasts, like 90 of them are football games. NFL football games, to be precise. There are some for college football. There's some for basketball, like March Madness. We have a few American flags. Those are like State of the Union or like major speeches, which you would think would be a little bit more important. But then you have the Olympics. You have some soccer games, but largely it's football. Here's what I would say. Right now, you know what? When I see this, I look at this, and for all of us, here's how I want us to look at this. To, like this afternoon, there's football on. There's football on, on. There's football on right now, I think, right? Because they're playing in Europe now. Football's on all the time. Like you turn on TV, you're like, is this like a rerun? You're like, nope, it's live again, right? Football's everywhere. Here's what I see. What if we started looking at this going, open door, 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 open door. We... You walk through your neighborhood trying to, uh, walking your dog, and you're looking in every window, and everyone's watching the same game on a different TV. Ever had that experience, right? You're like, well, I don't look through my neighbor's windows. I guess you do, right? So, but when you see it, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're all watching the same game in different places. How, how easy would it be to just throw the ground on the front lawn and go around to people and go, you want to come over and watch the game at my place? in the dorm to say, would you want to just come over and watch it? In other words, this even is an opportunity 
We could kind of roll our eyes at, at certain things in culture, but listen, if football is your thing, if basketball is your thing, and there's a chance for that, then guess what? God has probably placed you somewhere where other people enjoy the same things. You're probably in a neighborhood where you all have the same socioeconomic status, you have the same rhythms of life, or at least they fairly overlap, and God is placing you there and opening up doors, and instead of rolling our eyes, sneering at things, or just seeing it as inconveniences, or just being oblivious to it, he says, look up and look around and see the open doors. Youth sports, parents, it's an open door. I'm coaching right now a third and fourth grade girls soccer team because my daughter's on it. Throw a cookout, have everyone over. Do you know there's a, I referenced it a few weeks ago, it's called the Great De-Churching. Not unchurched, but de-churching. Uh, largest study ever done, it's a book that just came out, uh, on why people are leaving the church, people who are involved in the church and are leaving. And one of the things, because it's like 51% of them fall into this demographic, they say essentially at some point in my life, I was in church. I valued it. Maybe I was really following Jesus and I was really into it. And then at some point, I moved or COVID happened. And literally the reason why people say they got out of church is because they said, I just got out of the habit. My life changed. Everyone moves every three to five years. Anyone realizing that? You call it and it's like, yes, right? Like everyone's moving all the time now. Well, guess what? Those transitions are heavily disruptive to the rhythms of our life. And what's happening is a lot of people just never get back in the church. And then you know what they said? Would you be willing to come back to church? And they 100% said yes. What would it take? They're like, I don't know. Somebody invites me. And I heard that. I was like, man, how often do I just not go to my neighbors and go, hey, like, you interested in Christianity? Would you want to go to church with, with me? I mean, with me, it's weird, right? Like, you're following me around all morning. It's a little strange. You want to go hear me speak? <laughs> Feels weird for me. Uh, but it doesn't for you as much. I get it. Inviting people to church can feel a little awkward, but at the same time, it's like sometimes it's just a matter of simply inviting them. Do you know the new frontline missionaries that means in our culture? If you're a realtor, people are moving in. That could be the time of their life where that last week they're like, yeah, I was involved in the church. Now that I moved here, I just actually got out of the, out of the habit. And all it took was you as a realtor saying, hey, do you have a church? I know one. It doesn't have to be this one, by the way. It could be other churches here in town. It could be a better fit. But could I help you find a church? If you're a contractor and you're working every day on people's homes when they move in, you're like, I need a new bathroom, right? Everyone wants to redo their bathroom in their kitchen when they move into a house. And so you go, okay, I'm in people's houses right after they move in. You're a frontline missionary to when people walk away from the faith. If you're a mover, in other words, what I'm saying, if you're a doctor and somebody new, a new patient is coming in, in other words, our mindset should not be, man, if I could be in full-time mission, uh, ministry, getting paid to do ministry, then I could actually, then I could really do something. Oh, doors would just fly open. Listen, one, I got to tell you, when I tell people I'm a pastor when they ask, those doors don't fly open, okay, in conversation. But the second thing is, you are a full-time missionary. You are full-time in ministry. God has placed open doors all around you. He's saying, step through them. 
And I get it. A lot of times we think it's got to be these grand things. I, I, I hope we're not all thinking, man, next fall when the election rolls around, that's when a big event can happen. A big door will open up. Then really things will change. I want to see the kingdom of God come. That's when that will come. Or when some celebrity, like if Taylor Swift right now, right? T-Swift. She comes to Jesus. She starts on her concert tour time. That would be an open door. And what happens is we tend, I mean, I hope that's great if those things happen. But the thing is, God is saying, no, you don't have to wait for the big doors. Actually, the way I like to work is by working through the small faithful actions every day of real believers. Because here's the thing, everyone's suspicious of big movements, everyone's suspicious of institutions, everyone's suspicious of elites, so no one really cares what they say they believe. But everyday people, when they actually make, get over their own agenda and they step into other people's lives and they listen and they care, that's actually what changes. God doesn't change the world by big booming things. That's why Jesus always gives us metaphors of casting seeds. Small acts with huge potential. That's why Paul, or Paul, John then says, I know you have a little power, but yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know you've kept my word. He said, listen, I know that there might be things where like, would I step through that door? What kind of influence am I going to have? I'm going to flood my words. I'm going to, I don't know. But he says, are you willing just, I mean, think about it. How often are we even just willing to say the name of Jesus? Like half the time it's like, well, I'm, I don't want to, can I like use like term faith or be like, hey, have you ever thought about big things? They're like, well, yeah. You're like, you know, like big, 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 big things, right? Like, it's like, sometimes it's just like, hey, like, I'm, I, I consider myself a Christian, which means I, I really do try to follow Jesus, and I'm still learning what that looks like. And then just talking about it. Then there's an easy, well, how do you, I mean, I think people are like, wait, you actually try to live it out versus just being a hypocrite? Yeah, I really do. I, I have a community of folks that I try to do that with, a church that I do that with. You can buy them in the church, or they're just in your life. Listen, this isn't like try to get them into the doors of the church. Really what I want is they need, you need to be in their life. That's where it starts. Jesus is saying, if you're willing just to step into it in that small seat, just to speak my name, just to, my word. He says it's little. You feel like you have little power because, listen, yeah, it is little, but it's powerful because I bring the power. So he says, trust me, walk into those things. So God has placed you wherever he has to make an eternal impact. And, and here's the thing. I, I know that when you think about the broad, metaphorically, all the doors in your life that could open, it's probably not the door that you were first thinking I would go into, the door that you were looking for. But it is the door that God says is open. And so trusting God that perhaps because we, we tend to not value it as much because what he's, he's saying is when you learn to walk through that door, it's actually, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change what you value to the things that actually do matter most. Let's look at that, though, for a second. Because why, why don't we tend to walk through those doors, the, so the other doors? Uh, again, I think if we're honest, we tend to just overlook or ignore the other, those open doors that are around us. And so continue in verse 9 then. He says, behold, I will make those. Now listen what Jesus does now. Because Jesus sometimes, he's like, man, you guys just share, you know, walk through the open doors and don't worry, I'll bring the power. You just bring a little faith, just cast seeds, right? And then he goes into this. Then all of a sudden he's like, behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet and they will learn that I have loved you, right? And you're like, we're cool pep talk, Jesus. Like, all of a sudden, it's like, go reach him. Then it's like, wait, now you're like smashing it. Like, I'm not sure what's going on. What Jesus is saying, because I think, one, throughout this letter, obviously, when they go to witness, the culture comes against them. And he's saying that is something there. He's saying, don't, don't worry. Like, that, that might happen. But I think there's something else here that he's juxtaposing, which is the synagogue was 
Think about it. The door in the city of David to power and prestige. The synagogue was the metaphorical door in their culture of having relevance, of having access to the decision-making potential of the culture, of having access to the, the riches, the social currency and acceptance. And I think what Jesus is emphasizing here is because probably the church is going, man, and if, if I could have that, then I would walk through the door. But what Jesus is saying is, he's like, listen, I'll take care of all that. that in the end of the day, it won't matter. Like, that's why he has that. They're going to be bowing down to you. At the end of the day, that's not the thing. In fact, if anything, you of little power are going to be ones that they're bowing down to because your lives are going to have so much more of an impact. But you're so focused on those doors. And here's the thing. We all have those doors in our lives. I was sharing, I have those doors. We have doors of maybe, again, financial career, whatever breakthrough. We want to meet someone, and, and it's like romantic breakthrough. Whatever those doors are that feel close to you. And here's the thing. It may be that you have a sense that God has called you to break through that door. Or, well, he's gonna, what I would say is he's saying, I want you to work diligently. And you have a sense God's saying, I'm going I'm to call you through this. Be ambitious. But what he says is along the way, learn to trust me and my timing for when I will turn the key to that door and open it to you. The emphasis of this text is not on like a sermon on the will of God and how to open up the different doors of your life. The emphasis of this text is while you're trying to navigate life and figure out how to open up these doors and trust me, one of the number one ways you can trust me is to make sure that while you're doing that, you don't overlook the door that's always open. that that door is always open and you will make an impact beyond what you can imagine. I, this hit me the other day because I think we tend to overlook it and then we tend to not think about how we walk through the door matters as much as what doors we can open in life. So the first thing, this hit me the other night. I was literally coming in from trying to figure out, you know, when I'm saying the text sometimes, it's like, boom, there it is. And like 30 minutes later, I'm like, I'm done with the sermon, right? Like it was so clear. And other times I'm reading it and I'm just like banging my head on the door of like, I don't know, creative breakthrough or insight into the text. It was one of those days when I was saying this text. So I go in, I have in the evening, because my wife's taking my, our other two little ones to a soccer game, I have time with my 10-year-old daughter. I get, date, I get daddy date time, two hours. I come in, I'm sitting there next to her, and she's kind of sharing about her day, I'm kind of asking what, but I'm thinking about the sermon, and I'm, I'm kind of looking, I have my, my iPad open, it's like daddy's studying the Bible, right, trying to write a sermon, right? And I'm doing that, and here's the thing, I realize in the midst of it, God, this is when it hit me, the whole, where he's going, listen, open door, Listen, Matt, you can spend your life trying to bang your head against whatever door, and perhaps eventually that door might open. I might unlock that door. But don't right now in this moment miss this. And I realize, man, like 10 years from now, whatever door financially or whatever I could open up influence, you know what I would do 10 years from now, 20 years from now? I would give it all to be back in that moment. How many of those moments have I overlooked? How many of the moments of life that are most precious? How many of the moments of life that bring this deep connection with others where we see God break through and do things we couldn't imagine? How many of those moments do we miss because we're so focused on all these other doors? And Jesus isn't saying those aren't important. He's not saying, shame on you for thinking about those doors. We should strive to open up those doors. We should strive to be ambitious for the kingdom of God. But he's saying in the midst of it, just don't, in the moment when my spirit's leading you, don't miss that moment. Because at the end of your life, you would... You would trade it all in. 
to be back in those moments. And it hit me, the thing is, it's not so much which doors we get to walk through. Some of us will open up doors that the rest of us would be like, man, I'm kind of jealous. Like, that, that's pretty cool. But it's not so much just which doors we get to open. We, we also know it's who we become as we open them. Right? This is a look at what often becomes of us when we open up those doors. <laughs> right? We, 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 we strive and we, we fight. And, and what happens is, honestly, if we, we aren't willing to look at the things that God's opening up and learn to value people and invest there, oftentimes we bang our head against the wall and we strive and we become something in the process and we lose ourselves. And by the time we get to the other side of the door and we break it down, it's kind of like we wait. <laughs> and our family's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. You ever been through a season of life like that? You ever known someone who's been in that place? You can take that down so it doesn't keep traumatizing everyone. Uh, <laughs> but here's the question. With how you're walking through those other doors, are you focused on the, that door that matters most? Or are you only trying to break down those doors to the extent that now your heart's becoming something that is actually even something you don't want to be? Listen, the will of God, here's the one place in Scripture where it says what is the will of God for your life. First Thessalonians 4. Uh, I forget the verse. Should have brought it up. Anyways, First Thessalonians 4. Just read the whole chapter. It's fruitful, right? Uh, it's edifying. It says, here is the will of God for you your sanctification in Christ Jesus. God is most concerned not to hand you an index card that says this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen in your life, and this door will open, this door will open, this, take these steps. God is most concerned that as you learn to trust him and focus and prioritize his kingdom as you do so, that as you open that door and you wait for him to turn the key, that you would become more and more like Christ. Jesus, who came into this world and had all the, 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 the thrones offered to him. Jesus, who came into this world and had, could have had all the riches. Jesus, who came into this world, could have had all the, all the ladies. Jesus, who came into this world, could have had all the fame. He could have been, a, I mean, he looked like a rock star, right, literally. But he could have been like all the things that we often pine after. It's like Jesus like, yes, but you know what? It's not because those things are just, nah, I don't want any of those. I, he's saying, because I want you. You. And what God wants us to do is to learn to walk through those doors and come to value seeing his kingdom bear fruit in other people's lives. So let's get to that. The last thing, what's the motivation then to walk through that other door? Look at verse 11. It says, I'm coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. So what he's saying is, I'm coming soon. Until then, hold fast. Hold fast to this truth. So he's saying, I'm going to tell you right now what should motivate you to hold fast to this so you are motivated to walk through those doors. Because it's so often we forget what that open door is granting us access to because we just see inconveniences. We just see difficulty. We just see things that take up time in our schedule, whatnot. We, we have all these things. Sometimes we're just tired. But, but here's a principle to think through, a little phrase. Where your focus goes, energy grows. Where your focus goes, energy grows. We tend to focus on all kinds of doors in our life, and our energy grows for that thing. We tend to value it more. We tend to rationalize it more. We tend to give ourselves more to it. And it actually gets easier to give ourselves to those things. What Jesus is saying is focus and know what is on the side, other side of this door so that when you focus on it and you lift up your eyes to look around and you think on other people and the possibility of doors being open all around you, that as you do so, your energy would grow towards investing in the things that are going to last for eternity. 
that are going to be the things that where I change. I actually, in small ways, change the world all around you. So what are some of those steps? And, and maybe I'll just share there with time. I, I'll just say here, one of the things for my, my wife, Lauren, and I, we, we had a season of life when we were first married where, you know, at that time we didn't have kids. We, we had lots. We didn't think we had, we thought we were so busy, but then we found out, like, wow, we actually have a lot of time. And so what we realized was how do we value the church I was in seminary at the time, okay? I was trained to become a pastor. And I'm realizing, no, I really do have to, like, actually value the church, not, like, the, the church and doing business as a church or something. And so what we did was we actually found, I think it was Tuesday and Thursday night, that for us, at our schedule at that time, one day was to be able to invite in coworkers or at our jobs and whatnot and have people from outside the church. And then we had another night where we invited in to dinner people from the church. And what we literally did was every week, we were like, well, if we don't have someone in there now, we're going to find someone and invite them. And it, it caused us then, it allowed us to put our focus on where are their opportunities. I'm talking to a coworker. Oh, wait, do you, want, you and your wife want to come over and have dinner with us? Sure. No one else, actually. I'm, do you know, I mean, the loneliness epidemic all around us? And, and he's saying, so the focus then, after that, then the energy grew, where it was like, man, like, if anything, we're, like, back to, like, like, three months now with people coming over, where it was just, and the riches that came from those relationships. And, yeah, it was a lot. Some of those relationships ended up being some frustrating relationships. But man, when you harvest, sometimes things don't grow up the way you'd like. But overall, the riches and the depth of the relationships and what we got to see God do, some of the greatest blessings of our life. So what are these three motivations? The one is first, I'm going to hit these quickly, riches. Think about how much we try to walk through the doors of this life to get riches. So what Jesus says in verse 11 is, he says, hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. Crown in the New Testament, Paul says, you are my crown. A crown in scripture is almost always people, souls. It represents investment that matters for eternity because it changes people. And we can do that in all kinds of different ways. We can do that while walking through the doors of success in this world. We can actually serve others. Often the people who are most successful actually do serve others, and that's why they became successful. But one of the things is, do we have that mindset of that's riches? I, I love uh, Deion Sanders. It's fall. Football illustrations. So Deion Sanders, coach of Colorado football, might have heard of uh, Legendary football player. I grew up watching him play for the 49ers. And he became coach of Colorado. And they asked him last week, because now all of a sudden he has all these doors opening up to NFL coaching jobs and kind of prestige and more riches and more influence. And they asked him, they said, Would you t are you interested in taking those jobs? And he said, no. My ministry is to these men. Nothing about, like, they don't pay me as much. They don't, you know, on and on. And we can be a little, you know, crass, like, well, you're already successful. You're already a Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, you already have fame, whatever. But the thing is, what he's saying is, you know what focuses me? Is it's not that those things are just bad or I'm not interested. I've got all these doors. But you know what allows him to even say no to those things is a bigger yes. And his bigger yes is the riches of investing in those young men on his team. Do we have that in our, our, our day where we go, actually, the priority of my life is investing in those that God has placed in it? I think really when we do that, God takes care of a lot of the other things that we're desiring to happen in our life. The second thing after riches then is relevance. The question is, what is the most significant, lasting thing that we could do with our lives, right? I struggle, I don't know about you, that's one I struggle with a lot. What's the most lasting thing I could do with my life? 
Verse 12, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. You go, what? Okay, now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm a pillar? <laughs> That's, that gets me excited, Jesus. What are you, what's he saying there? What he's saying there is you and the, the, the effects of your life will be something that accomplishes something that is relevant because it will last forever. Look at Revelation 21. When it talks about them, the temple, it says, and I saw no temple. So Jesus says, you'll be a pillar in the temple. Then a little bit at the end of Revelation, it says, I saw no temple. So you're like, wait a minute. Jesus was like, you'll be a pillar in the temple. I'm like, yay, I'm a pillar in the temple. And then you get the new heavens and new earth, and he's like, there's no temple. And you're like, what did I do all this for, right? Now, what Jesus said, keep reading. For its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. What's he saying there? He's saying they're the established kingdom of God and presence of God on earth forever. You are going to be a part of that, and the works of this life God is going to use to have an effect for all of eternity. You will be, you will have relevance in the kingdom of God. This life here that seems fleeting has relevance in the kingdom of God. He's establishing his kingdom through his people. You know, one of the things I've thought about often is legacy is a tricky thing when we think about relevance because it's really attached to legacy. Your legacy only lasts as long as what it's attached to, right? Like, so Babe Ruth, if baseball fades, does anyone really care about Babe Ruth? There are probably thousands of sports that at one point were, were popular across all kinds of cultures. Folks who were legendary in their day for those sports. We don't know any of their names. But one day, many of them we may see as pillars in the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that they, what they gave themselves to and strove to, to, to be great in their, in their sport or in their career field or whatever it might be in our lives. But the thing that will be a pillar in the city, the legacy that will last, will be whatever we invest in the kingdom of God. That'll just be part of the story of how we did it. And so where is that legacy? Where is your relevance being found? It can be found through the open door. But do you see folks as that legacy around you? Lastly, sense of rightness, rightness. Look at the last part. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God. He'll never go out of this, the temple of my God. He'll, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He says, I'm going to write my name on you. You're going to be on the, in the city of God, this name image. Well, Jesus at the end in Revelation 22 says, he gives his name. He says, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. He's saying, you will have my name. And if you have my name, it means that your life, your identity, the sum of your existence, the sense that I gave myself to the thing that was right, that was enduring, that was good, that was worthwhile, that was beautiful, that it was in the thing that was most righteous, that was most right. And Jesus says, I'll put my name on you, that it says, yes, that's the label that goes on your life, my name. And you can imagine at the, in the new heavens and new earth when you're standing there and you're standing around and probably you're wondering, like, did I really, I mean, I just, I had conversations, I made myself available for my neighbors, I, I invested in friends, I invested in family, I tried to reach my, those, I remember all the way back at college, like I tried to be intentional with classmates, so maybe, maybe you see some people come to know Jesus, maybe you see some fruit, and you're like, was that fruit, was it, 
Oftentimes it grows up amongst thorns and we wonder, but here's the thing what's going to happen then if we invest in this way is we will probably step into the kingdom of God and we'll look around and we will see people alive all around us who when we met them were weeping at their desk. We will see people alive where every tear has been walked away when they were in our neighborhood and we were willing to have them over for dinner and process whatever was going on or just have them over for the game where they weren't just kind of going through this malaise of life and boredom, but now they're fully alive. And Jesus will say that's because you walk through the door. You planted seeds. And so the banner of your life, that can be so many things that we often think, maybe my life will be nothing but whatever. It's my name. It's the kingdom of righteousness, the Alpha and Omega. It's the thing that doesn't end. It's the thing that will bear fruit for eternity. It's the thing that will go on and on and on. And that, when you're willing to walk through the open door, he says, is what the effect of your life is. So he's not saying the other doors are wrong. He's just saying, make sure you don't miss that door. So what are the open doors Jesus has set before you? Remember, where your our focus goes, our energy grows. And Jesus says, focus. Focus on the open door. The result, riches, true relevance, true sense of rightness. So we come back to the beginning. The door is open all around you. The question is, Will you walk through it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this calling upon our lives. Lord, we thank you for, Lord, just the fact that you, you opened, why do you even, you call us to walk through this door? Lord, who are we to go? Lord, we, I ask that we would just with humility, Lord, see Yes, you have forgiven us of much, and so, Lord, you've invited us to a banquet. Now you tell us, go and invite others to the banquet. Lord, when we, we don't know what to say, we don't exactly know how to frame it, we don't even, maybe some of us are more shy, some of us are, we're afraid because we're too boisterous, what we'll say. Lord, wherever we're coming from, our personalities, the, the nagging thoughts that are coming into our mind right now, would we just see them as the lies of the enemy? And Lord, that we would just trust you and we would open our eyes to see where there are open doors all around us. And Lord, give us the grace to step in. Lord, then would you use the little acts of faithfulness, the little seeds, would you use them powerfully? Lord, when we think of how so many things in this life that we, we, we spend decades of our life, days, nights, sleepless nights, money, energy, sacrificing relationships that matter most, are most precious, just to try to knock down doors in this life, and the effects of them, Lord, could be so short-term. Lord, we thank you that you, you tell us, I have, though, opened this one door. Do not miss this one door. Lord, you help us to walk through it. See the beauty of it. See how important it is. And Lord, just delight in walking through it and delight in that work. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.